0: Welcome to the very first in our brand new spin-off, Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold. On our very first episode of the first season, we'll be looking at seven. Legend of Crombie's Gold. <laughs> Welcome listeners old and new to Weekend at Crombie's 2, The Legend of Crombie's Gold, a brand new series from the people that brought you Weekend at Crombie's. I am what? Hugh, and just because I've got a library card doesn't make me Yoda.
1: And I am Dr. James Evans Esquire. You want to be a champion? Well, let me tell you, people don't want a champion. They want to eat cheeseburgers, play the lotto and watch television.
0: That was very nicely delivered. Almost it northern there. You, you spent <laughs> <a bit> too <laughs> long in the northern. I could, I could hear the whippets barking beneath you. Oh, with
1: a name like William Somerset, I thought that would be quite good. Um, although Somerset suggests southwest, doesn't <laughs> it? It really does,
0: because it's in the southwest.
1: <laughs> really? You should, you should be called William Lancashire.
0: William Derbyshire. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah I, also good use of of not using the word uh the f word in, in the quote that you, you chose we are, as well we are, if
0: nothing family friendly um those are two f words we are family friendly um to everyone who wants to listen to us there's interest in movies we have a broad church that is so most- broad in fact we've chosen one of the grimmest and violent films of the 90s <laughs> <laughs> that we have for for yes um but but I hear you asking, but I've heard of Seven, and I've probably seen Seven, and as, as have most of the English-speaking population, why are we doing Seven? James, what is Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold, if it's not about finding obscure films?
1: Well, what isn't Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold? It isn't Weekend at Crombies, because what we are doing is that we are focusing our attention on, quite simply, films that we bloody love. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, more importantly than just films that we know are successful and know that we like, um, we we we've added a, a, a kind of an additional uh, category to Weekend at Crombie's to The Legend of Crombie's Gold. In the uh, rather than just randomly choosing films that are successful, we thought we'd, we'd narrow the field by picking a particular director and looking at a selection of their films. So one of the criteria that we wanted to to explore a little bit is directors that have been Um, in the business as it were for quite some time. So they've got a good canon of films behind them. So four decades and choosing a film from each of those decades so that we can discuss both how the director's style uh, has changed, what the themes of the director might be over that period of time. And also to explore a little bit more about the kind of the, the influences of that director or those directors and the influences that they have had on other films as well. So uh, we both came to the conclusion that a good first um, uh, person for this particular podcast would be David Fincher. Um, Very successful director. And because of his most recent film, *Mank* being released in 2020, he qualifies for the four decade directorship, having started in the 90s. Um, And so, yeah, we thought it'd be quite interesting to do a a series of David Fincher films. So we'll be doing one per quarter four films in the year and when it gets to 2022 we'll think about another director if indeed the demand is still there for weekend at Crombie's too i'm sure it will be <laughs> um, so, so that's the kind of the, the background to it and obviously you know there is lots of david fincher films we could have chosen but we plumped with seven um it's and his uh, breakout one it was his breakout one not his first film but certainly yeah. uh, the first of his kind of successful run i guess really um and, and obviously a very popular film. And I just thought, and Hugh thought it'd be good to just have a chat about what the film means to us, I suppose, in that context. Yeah,
0: massively popular film. In fact, it was, um, it was like one of the third biggest gross movies of this year. It made yeah. over 300 million at the box office yeah. from a 33 million budget. Yeah, so it made 10 times its budget. Yeah, which, and in, um, in 1995 money, 300 million, oh. it's got to be close to like the billion mark an hour in terms of, and it's, you know, it's, a, 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 essentially, it's quite a, a compact two-hander. It's not a blockbuster, not You know, it's made blockbuster money, but it is not a blockbuster. It isn't a blockbuster. And we'll, co- I mean, we'll come
1: on to this. We will come to the, the themes. themes yes, the, we get ahead of ourselves. This, yeah, I, there's a lot. There's a lot to say about Seven in the way that it perhaps contradicts what you might expect a Hollywood blockbuster to do. Yeah. Um, but you know, as as befits our um, our podcasting Ooh, yeah. skills, yeah. our oeuvre, yeah. yes. Um, what we're not going to do is go through the synopsis of the film in, in a lot of detail. Everybody's seen Seven, and if you haven't, go and watch it. It's freely available on many, many streaming platforms. Um, so Hugh is going to provide us a, a, a summary of the film, and then I'll give a little bit of a, a rundown of, of David Fincher in the 90s, given that we're doing a 90s film at the moment. Yeah.
0: So, yes, uh, so in brief, um, we, well, there was an, uh, an unnamed um, urban American city where it often rains. Um, I'm going and... for Gotham. <laughs> Gotham. <laughs> I think Gotham would be cheerfuller, but yes, um, uh, Detective uh, William Somerset, played by Morgan Freeman, is you know, just one week away from retirement, and he's basically had enough. He's looking forward to packing the whole thing because he's seen too much. Um, yeah, and he's partnered.
1: given what You see, in this blooming city, Christ,
0: yeah, there's nothing nice in it. It's all grim. No. But he's partnered with um with Detective David Mills, played by by Brad Pitt, who's come in from out of town uh, with his lovely wife uh, Tracy, um, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, and um, pretty much on their first day in the job, uh, they find that some strange murders have been taking place people are being killed and tortured and killed in some very um, outlandish and horrible ways mm-hmm. and um and they soon discover that uh, name of the, one of the seven deadly sins is being sprawled over each of these murders and these murders are being picked or the victims are being picked um because they believe to represent each one of these sins greed gluttony lust things like that and so these two basically pair up um they 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 rub off against them not well <laughs> you know um Somerset basically thinks that Mills is, is too, too, too much of a rookie to get on this. Mills is is kind of uh, a bit of a pistol and wants to get stuck in. But they yeah. they 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 find their rhythm, and they they they, they basically tick off the murders. Um, there's a, a few. They they manage to get close to their killer, but never actually see him. They they there's some chases and come and some and some near misses. But basically, the murders get on increasing more grisly and and gruesome uh, as you go on, um, until the the final reel when the the murderer whose name is John Doe, um it was spoiler kevin alert. Sp- spoiler alert. <laughs> oh don't say
1: don't say the name of the act if someone hasn't seen it it's it's a, it's a good payoff really uh, go on everyone's seen seven it
0: you? was kevin spacey all alone
1: yeah. it's which... a bit like saying oh i better not tell you what happens at the end of apollo 13 <laughs> <laughs> or the, or the titanic yeah
0: but uh, yeah it was kevin spacey all along is a phrase that has obviously taken new resonance uh since uh, seven was made but uh <laughs> but uh yes yeah, so he he basically is a a fairly nondescript man um covered in blood who uh, who says there are, there was two more bodies that you've not caught mm-hmm. but uh, i will reveal them to you if you follow these conditions which means the very end of the film is them taking them out to uh, outside the city for a change to so these empty fields um where they they um, mills and somerset are convince some kind of shenanigans about to take place and uh, a courier turns up with a a box which does indeed contain the head of poor detective mills's wife because john doe has is guilty himself of envy he envied john uh, mills's um Mills' lovely life and went over there and killed his wife because of it, um, which prompts Mills to become wrathful and shoot John Doe, um, thus fulfilling the last of the seven sins and completing John Doe's work. Um, as this entirely depressing mess is being cleared up, uh, Somerset comments to his captain that he'll be around um so he's he's given up his retirement plans and in fact a voiceover is added to the end that um that Ernest Hemingway once wrote the world is a fine place and worth fighting for i agree with the second part so um, then, yeah, i would call ends, it a note of hope but um no, no. But somerset has, has basically changed his mind about giving up on the city
1: yeah and then the david bowie track reels in at the end uh, over the credits over over is the, the credits. life on mars <laughs> <laughs> we could be heroes <laughs> it does that's no anthony hopkins is it a little bit of a crossover joke there if you've not listened to Weekend in quiz please do and you'll understand that hughes anthony hopkins impressions are you know unrivaled
0: (laughs) second second to none except anthony hopkins himself of course
1: i think your your impressions of anthony hopkins uh, slightly surpass anthony hopkins himself
0: do you think we could get him on the show
1: I doubt that very much. Although you could pass yourself as him, oh, and I'd, I'd be none the wiser. <laughs> because I'm afraid Hugh couldn't make it today, so it's me, Anthony Hopkins. I'd <laughs> be in awe. Anyway, this isn't about Anthony Hopkins.
0: No. It, a, that, it took three minutes. <laughs> Damn you, sir. Damn you, sir. It took three minutes, ah. <laughs> three minutes, <sir. laughs>
1: oh
0: No. <laughs> That's the seven, which is the quickest synopsis ever done. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, because oh, I'm slightly
1: discombobulated actually no, because we we're not,
0: because no, we'd be we'd we'd have just described the first scene right now. Oh yeah,
1: we would have. Yeah,
0: we did. Yeah, <laughs> a raindrop in its minute detail because it rains a lot in this city. Oh my goodness, it does. It only rains in this city, in fact. But we'll we'll come to we'll come to the 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 themes of this. Uh, we'll get the deep dive, which is what we really yeah. like to do. But yeah. before we do that, James, would you like to basically? Tell us about this director who mm. burst on the scene after doing one or two films beforehand not to not great acclaim and basically rocked the, the cinematic world.
1: Yeah, so David Fincher um, was a uh, – David Fincher in, in, the, in the late 80s and early 90s was a revered music um, video director and uh, also kind of did adverts as well. But he was one of these directors who, a bit like Ridley Scott, I guess, cut his teeth. In the short form, um, in music video and um, in Abbott's as well. And he, he's actually described himself as that the kind of that all the work he did on music videos as a bit of a um, you know, like a, a training ground for his kind of step up to, to, to Hollywood stardom. So he was well known before his film debut, which I'll come on to. He was well known beforehand, and he had been um fated for a long time as a, an up-and-coming. Um, enfant terrible I guess really or someone who would be uh, making big budget Hollywood films for a long long time Um, you know some of the he did for example uh, Vogue Madonna's Vogue uh, lots of um, Aerosmith videos etc etc so you know he's got a good a good strong background a bit like Spike Jonze, for example, did a lot of Bjork films. But David Fincher did. Uh, if you name a lot of late eighties, early nineties music videos, the is is that David Fincher would have been involved in it. So, so how he, he old was is, he when
0: he did Seven? Then
1: he was twenty nine. Really? He was indeed twenty nine wow. when he directed. Now that is sorry, no, that's a mistake. He was he was twenty nine when he directed Alien Three. Okay. um in 1992 so that would have made him 32 when he directed seven so you know a prodigy shall we say right yeah. and um it, whatever you think of seven it does not lack confidence yeah um uh, it's a stylish and uh extravagant looking film despite its grimness and its violence it is it is it is deliberate isn't it you know it is everything is in place the look of it and the feel of it is 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 very fincher like i suppose and um that you know that 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 says a lot about his talent at that young age um he actually burst on the scene his debut film was alien three which was directed in 1992 and it was a huge flop um a huge so I, I really
0: like it again it's a
1: it's too. Just, i think it's a good film you it's know not it's not as not... good
0: as the last two but it's a lot better but than the other could... film since then <laughs>
1: In fairness to him, what could be better than aliens? Yeah, what could yeah. be better than alien? You know, you're on a hiding to nothing. And I and think it's alien very Free, visually striking. It's very visually striking. It, it, I mean, I've not seen it for a while, but I, I, I tend to think that it is a David Fincher film. It yeah. looks like a David Fincher film and it sounds like a David Fincher film and it's cut like a David Fincher film. And although it was a flop, uh, and actually subsequently he has disowned the film and he said that it, he? He, yeah, he's, he's actually on the record to say, believe me, Everybody hates Alien 3, but nobody hates Alien 3 as much as I hate Alien 3. There was a lot of studio interference in the film. He was not. It actually started shooting already $7 million over budget and without a finished script. Um, part of the reason why was that the original uh, plot of the film was that it was going to be set on a wooden planet populated by monks, where the uh, alien and Ripley crash land and, a- and Ripley is seen as a messiah and the alien is seen as a devil. Now, if you ask me, that sounds like an incredible film. Yeah. But uh, the director who was attached to it, Vincent Ward, who had previously done a medieval epic set in New Zealand called The Odyssey, which is a very good film, um, refused to compromise on any of his story and so was fired. David Fincher was hired with significant reworking of the script uh to be a kind of penal colony which has a kind of similar feel but not quite the same process it didn't have a script that was finished and fincher said that basically it was it was a horrible experience and subsequent to alien 3 he effectively vowed never to read a script again and <laughs> until, <laughs> until he was given the script to 7 okay
0: um
1: and uh he had one condition with taking 7 on and that was that the ending remained as you see it in the film. And there was significant pressure on David Fincher um, and the writer whose name, I think, Andrew Michael Walker wrote the film as well, to change the ending of the film because it was considered basically too depressing. Um, But they they still held firm... and they wanted to change it too? They Mm. wanted to change it to a more, uh, from what I understand, a more traditional Cop thriller ending where the 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 assailant was captured and uh, killed and th- there wasn't a head in the box or anything like that, which to be honest would have ruined the film because. Oh, so
0: not, not like not like tweaked how it ended, but the complete no, 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 no. act
1: would be different. No, Yeah, they wanted to tweak the whole last act. And actually, when there was very uh, poor screenings done, uh, the audience was basically, you know, they hated it. There was even more pressure put on. Um, But they they held firm. And basically, David Fincher said, if if, if you're going to change this, he's going to walk away and he's going to sue the company. uh, Brad Pitt also said the same as well. So there was a bit of pressure. They kept it. They made one concession. And that is the final quote from Ernest Hemingway. That was an add-on at the end to appease. Now, I think, actually, it, it it's intended to soften the blow a little bit, but oh, I yeah. do think it comes across as a little yeah. bit of a black joke. It's a horror... You know, it's almost like t- it takes it's taking the mickey, almost.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Everything that's gone before—it's almost sarcastic, it's cynical—and actually, I think it adds quite a lot to the darkness of the dark tone of the film. Yeah. Anyway, I did,
0: I did notice that's the only point when there is a voiceover, and it did. Again, I think either I knew about it or it felt—I bet they added this in at the end because you have a you have a definitive note when Morgan just goes, "I'll be around," and then he yeah. comes in with in a completely different tone. I think that the world is a good yeah, place. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now,
1: originally, the actual the actual first script, the the film was supposed to end at the point at which uh, David Mill shoots. John no, but that's supposed oh to be the end God. of the film. Which would have, I mean, that's, that's, like, that's like the the um, the great silence ending, isn't it? That's is oh, like just yeah.
0: incredibly,
1: so they, they had to add on that bit at the end, the coda where he's taken away and and, and William Somerset says, you know, yeah, anything he wants, make sure he gets anything he wants and where will you be? I'll be around. So there's a, there's a little bit of hope. Actually, I think that ending works uh, you know, it doesn't. I, I think I think it might have been a bit too much if it just ended with, with Tom Tomko's brain being blown out. But there we go. But it cost thirty million dollars, not a huge amount, given that Alien, Alien Three was about double that, um, and his latter films have also, you know, increasingly cost more. But it, as you say, it made ten times. It was a huge success. One of the biggest films of the year. One of the biggest films of the nineties. And um, I think its its reputation precedes it a little bit. It is a significant film in the canon of psychological horror films or cop thrillers i guess really with a slight twist um fincher made two other films in the 90s the game which was released in 1997 and fight club in 1999 now i'll come on to fight club in a minute but the game i think is a really underrated and almost forgotten fincher film from the 90s i think I it's one of his best.
0: i've seen it but i didn't know it was fincher
1: yeah, it's a I think it's one of his best. I think it's a fantastic film with a brilliant ending. But, you know, like many directors, it's one of those films that seems to have been slightly forgotten amongst all of his more um, more fated films. You know, when you think of David Finchie, I think you think of Seven, you think of Fight Club, you think of Gone Girl. I don't think... Uh, you th- I don't necessarily think you think of films like The Game or Zodiac yeah. or, or Panic Room, which are all very good films. Yeah. But um, that's, that's the beauty of David Fincher. He, he, I, don't think, I think he makes consistently very good films, perhaps with one or two exceptions, but they're always interesting.
0: And the game I think falls into that. Um, it's not it like cost- a Ridley Scott where you you'll you no. pick up every third film is worth watching. The other two. No. It's like, well, did he? Why did he just knock that one out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say although he made four films in the nineties, I don't think Fincher is. Um, he's not. He, he, you know, he, he's oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He is. He picks his films right, so he doesn't make a film every year. He picks no every other year. Four in the nineties, three in the two thousands, three in the two thousand and tens. You know, so he's not. He doesn't make them every year. Um, and I think a Fincher film is a big is is a big event, a big film event. Um, yeah. The game cost nearly eighty million dollars and only made a hundred million back. So where the eighty it, million? It's not that big a budget, is it? I, I, I don't. You know it, who who knows?
0: I, Michael it, it's Douglas one is of those salary. Like, salary. Like,
1: Jodie Foster was supposed to be in it as well, but she pulled out. But it was it, It's one of those films that you think how where's that money gone? I still think yeah. it's a great film. I don't think yeah. seventy million great but it didn't make a huge i mean it made money back but it didn't make a huge amount of money and it's considered a bit lost but then of course we come onto fight club and um i think probably more so even than seven although seven is m- my preferred film of david finch's 90s films fight club is probably his most successful film and his most well-known film
0: yeah.
1: um, it is a film that i think has a bit like films such as the matrix etc has fallen into that kind of cultural influence where quote you know you can quote the film it's yeah, been yeah. it's been oft oft um repeated but never quite as well as it's done it's 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 a genre all of its own that kind of paranoid thriller that it that it's developed and um, you know it's a brilliant film um it's a brilliant film um it, i don't think it quite fits the we at Crombie's viewpoint because it's you know what is there to say about Fight Club, right? Yeah. What is there to say? About Fight Club? It's all been said, but it is just a brilliant yeah. film. So I think Seven and Fight Club are are the two biggies from Fincher in the nineties, and to be honest, they're probably two of his biggies, full stop. But it just goes to show that even from that very early age, he was he was churning out the, he was churning out the films, right? The, these yeah. aren't small budget films. There's nothing. He's not settling into his career here. They are full on.
0: Yeah, that's true. There's there's no left. There's no like. Oh, I've done. I've done the weird one. Let me just ease back and do a nice, you know, romantic comedy yeah. now. It's like let's, let's push it even further. It's push it. In. I mean, I refer to, for example, the Cohen brothers. You know, they yeah. they start
1: it with low budget films and they ease themselves into that genre, right? Ridley Scott. I know he did Alien very early, but one of his previous films before that um, was a was a low budget film about. Um, Fencing in, in the in the nineteenth century. I mean, it's got Harvey Keitel in it. I can't remember what it's called, but you know, it the Rivals called... or the The Rivals. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, what it's. Called. Yeah. The du- no, the Duelists. The Duelists. Yeah, it's called the Duelists. Yeah, you know, a, a much smaller film. Fincher starts with Alien Three, right? You know, that's that's big cojones. I think um... Harvey Keitel in it. So <laughs> Oliver Reed. Uh, no, it has Harvey Keitel and someone else, as you might imagine, with a film called The Duelists. Yes, anyway, <laughs> l- less important. So, go yes. <laughs> Um, You know, so he doesn't. Uh, Spielberg, for example, that starts with Duel, uh, ironically, and then moves on to Jaws, right? Um, but Jaws at the time was a, was a, a low budget film,
0: yeah. right?
1: So, there's nothing low budget, there's nothing small scale about Fincher. And to be honest, he nails it.
0: Although seven, seven, seven film is quite low budget, and it could have been a, an intimate, tightly packed film that you'd that had that had it not exploded, you'd just be talking about saying, "Hey, you here to see this film?" Whatever. It, well, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Again, you, in terms of seeing it on the screen, there's lots of stuff done. My God, but it's it's not like um, I don't know. I guess it's it's a bit more obvious in Fight Club where the money's gone, and here it is. Well, this is this could be a small film. It just happened to be an enormous film. <laughs>
1: I, I, to be honest with you, I think I think Seven is a small film. I think Seven yeah. from primarily is a film about it's it's a it's a cop buddy film in, in some yeah. respects yeah. about the relationship between Somerset and Mills. It, it's it's housed within the context of this grand guignol of events that's going on, yeah. and I think that the shock of the film raises it to uh, into the public consciousness. So the other thing I was going to say about David Fincher is that he takes risks as well. So Alien 3, Risky 7, I don't think 7 on paper is a saleable or sellable film,
0: yeah. right?
1: It's not. It's it's very violent. It's very grim. I mean, a lot of the violence is actually off screen, but you do see a lot as well. Yeah. The game is not something that is easily to, is easy to sell, you know, that kind of alternate reality game type You're process. Right. Fight Club, when you describe Fight Club, you've kind of almost got to go with the vision of the director, just say, you know what? Pfft, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but very successful films, and that continues into the two thousands and t- to the 2010s as well. So he takes risks, and that's why I think David Fincher is probably one of the. Um, I mean, he's one of the most successful, but I think he's. He's not my favourite director per se, but he's up there, yeah. and I, I always find Fincher films interesting at the very, very least. Yeah. They are interesting and worth watching. They may not always work, but they are always worth
0: watching. That is true, yes. So with that, shall we begin um, on David Fincher, then? on Seven rather, the, the movie Seven? Yeah,
1: so Seven. Um, so the, I, I, there's one thing I just wanted to, to start. You've you mentioned about the film being, it potentially could be a small film that exploded into this huge Hollywood behemoth of a film, right? Yeah. And I completely agree with that. And, and there's a number of reasons why I think that as well. So the first one is I do think that it's a film about um, William Somerset and uh, David Mills to a large extent, not solely, but to a large extent. It's about their yeah. relationship. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's it, it's it's about how they get on with each other. It's about how they react and relate to each other. And there's a lot of humour in how they relate to each other. A lot there's more than
0: surprisingly I surprisingly my my stuff yeah. in this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, particularly when Tracy, uh, um, Mills's wife, calls him at work and asks to speak to Somerset. Um, And, you know, it's almost it's very good comic acting from Brad Pitt in that scene because he's obviously totally discombobulated. And Somerset also is a bit, uh, oh, OK, I've just been invited to your to your house. So it's a really good relationship between those two. Also, I don't think the story is particularly complex or profound which yeah. sounds odd given that it's this kind of religious mania. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, it has kind of um, descriptions of hell and, and sin and all this kind of stuff. It's actually, I think, quite a by-the-numbers plot of a yeah. kind of joint Dots type film, which is its success because it's simple to follow despite it looking extravagant and feeling like you're intellectually engaging in it more than you probably are
0: yeah that's exactly how i felt and i was i was i was surprised because I'd, i've seen this many many times but i not for a long while and i was surprised by how straightforward it was because they um they because it's going they're basically they you know the the victim's are motiveless in the sense that you can't connect them to anyone, you, which means you can't predict who's going to be next. And it, you, there no, there's no list of suspects, so you can't guess who it might be. No. So literally the detectives are going from point to point, almost like in a Da Vinci code way, of from yeah, one, yeah. one instance to another one. And there's only one point in the midway of the film when they try and take the initiative to catch you. it is by looking at his library records mm-hmm. and end up having a bit of a chase. But that's almost just to, to, to shake things up and give you a bit of adrenaline. But essentially they are just following the plot through a very straightforward track, which yeah, you're right, seems more complex because of how the murders are being done, and because exactly. each murder has little bits of, of like clues and things sprung yeah. around it, which makes it seem more complex, but is actually just more things for them to do. It's, I think it's, that's it's really, really clever. Yeah, that makes it's it really clever, right? But it's also, it also means it's not a crime film, really, and it's not a mystery film. It is. It's yeah. you're right. It's either a buddy cop relationship film between the two of them, or more. It's or just a horror film. where like, there's a monster yeah. in, in the in the yeah. monster in the house. And the monster just happens to be John Doe and his little plan.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, what 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 elevates that? Um, I mean, there is. I mean, literally. And to be clear, there is nothing wrong with a join the dots plot, right? I mean, if it's done well, it's fantastically efficient and thrilling and um, you know uh, there's something quite uh, this is going to sound odd in a film like seven but there's something quite comforting particularly if you re-watch the film again and again knowing the markers knowing what's going to happen next and also the fact that what's really really engaging is that the concept of the seven deadly sins means that although you don't know what's going to happen you're invested in knowing what kind of murder is going to happen next because you've had gluttony and that was disgusting and you know you've had um you've had yeah. sloth and greed yeah you think oh my god how are they going to do lust and how yeah. are they going to do wrath and envy so y- you want to know even though it's disgusting and you, you don't really want to know you-, you can't look away from it yeah because you know that there's going to be x number of more crimes there's a you're, you're totally invested in the plot and you're invested in how they find out about it which is which is really well done in that regard um There's also this concept of the dread mythology which is put in it as well, which is why I think I would describe the film as a horror film and not necessarily a crime film. So, uh, you know, and and this this is where the film is, although it's not particularly complex or particularly profound, there is a profoundness to the way in which the crimes are described and the way in which the characters relate to each other in it, the dread mythology, the kind of it's used to generate depth. It's done in films like the silence of the lambs. It's done in films like the exorcist as well, where they use that terminology, that mythology to create something more than what's actually being presented on screen. And again, that's really disquieting and that's what makes this film quite scary.
0: Yeah. Yes. There's, there's, there's lots of ways they talk about that and, and, when you talk about the dread mythology, it's also the perpetrator is um you actually mentioned this when we talked about Miller's Crossing. If everything if, if this guy planned it all out then he's incredibly lucky or just because yeah. there's things that happen that you think how on earth could that have happened well, well, how on earth yeah. could he know that they would find pieces yeah. of plastic yeah. he fed into the stomach of the, of the gluttony victim and they yeah. they would work out that that was because he scraped the radiator back and therefore find his first clue on the same day they would find the greed murder victim yeah and things and like, and that. It, how, like how,
1: painting how... find the uh the, the fingerprints yeah. of the sloth victim and then trace that yeah exactly so it, it's almost too neat isn't it but Plus, it's the, the way, way to yeah,
0: place yeah because because the John Doe character again he has limitless <laughs> wealth um, so he's, yeah. he's, he's he has almost he's motiveless he's, he has no motive other than doing the things he does he's again he's when they, when they chase him he seems to be just a, a, in, uncatchable because he can just get away in any in any things unflappable and right until the very end everything happens as he wanted it to happen so mm-hmm. it, it's almost that super when Mill Somerset's not quite making a joke but he's exaggerating saying if we catch John Doe and he's the actual devil that would be enough for me. But but he's not gonna be the devil he's gonna be an ordinary man it's like yeah. well, he's not really an ordinary man he's he's he's, yeah. he's most representative of something rather than just a, a crazy killer
1: well i have this i have this theory about seven as well which is that it, 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 you say it, everything pretty much goes to plow with him in, until toward the end right yeah. so about 30 minutes before the end he hands himself in yeah. um because they've they have found him through his kind of library records and so therefore he has to speed up the the, the yeah. killings etc yeah. but but i suppose i think that's all planned as well because it, g- given given how john doe is presented in the film the mythology around him it wouldn't surprise me if i just don't i don't buy the fact that he needs to go to the library and read up on these books i would to learn it too if he's got all this money he could just buy the books well yeah buy the books or just i, I think he just knows it you know if it, maybe he's just a learned character i mean you know totally bewilderingly um, insane, but a learned character nevertheless. I think he's probably got a library card to get the cops on his trail, <laughs> so that they try to catch him, so that he has to speed
0: up the thing, so that he yes. hands himself in at a certain point. And the, it's not, but also, it's he, might, well, he, he also manages to find a policeman who he believes is who has just moved to the city, but is also uh, has a temper short enough that he believes mm. he can manipulate him into killing him in a fit of wrath. Well, I don't. Yeah, you're, I don't know That's the thing. It's like there's there's so many, so many just, imponderables that can't actually link no. it up. It's it's yeah it's because but, it,
1: but it makes it makes it makes for a wonderfully exciting film and you know in, in other films if if you start thinking about those things too much
0: yeah you think just how it all falls apart but i don't really care in seven no you're not you're not thinking about it although i will say it again um this is this is now a, a more of a down note. I've seen this film many times, but not for a while. And when I watched it this time, I actually enjoyed it less. I was um, to say the good things. I mean, the imagery is absolutely powerful. Is there's no good doubt about that? It's um, beautiful is the wrong word, but it's so striking. It's um, you're you're drawn into this really horrible, oppressive city. But the way it's things are shot, um, it's 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 like a painting sometimes. The shots they do, the the angles he chooses to take, um, it's really nicely done. Um, And it's one particular scene when he
1: goes back to the house of the gluttony victim and he's got his torchlight on and the torchlight is in the house and there's, you know, there's piles of washing up, not done, and it's very dusty.
0: And, you know, the light shining is just so beautiful. Yeah. But well, there's set piece, but there's also like just connecting pieces, like when the Mills and Somerset are sleeping on the on the sofa waiting for yeah. the fingerprints to come through. The way that shot is actually that could be like a Norman Rockwell painting if you he yeah, exactly. if if painted yeah. depressing pop yeah. cop scenes. Um so that I mean it's it's a wonderful scene. But in terms of um the, the whole plot in its entirety, uh, I think it benefits greatly from a, a fresh view. If the fir- mm-hmm. For the first time you see this, you're, you're right. You are invested in each killing because you desperately want to know which sin is next and how is he going to do it. Mm-hmm. You're almost not worried about the cops chasing them. They're just there to clean up and mm-hmm. get to the end themselves like a horror movie. They're not, you don't think they're going to catch the guy until the final reel anyway. Um, but uh, a th- couple of things with this is the last 30 minutes after John Doe has handed himself in plays out exactly the way john doe wanted to happen mm-hmm. um, and none of neither one of mills or somerset take any action or seem capable of taking any action to stop this and i think that robs them of any agency in the final room, which is an issue for me because none of them try they, they both know this is what john doe planned when, when he turns up and they both say, well, we've got to play it out. But no, they don't do not do anything. They don't try and... Even though they don't have a plan that fails, they don't try and, and think or act or do anything that might stop it. And, well, I think and, it's because they don't believe him. They don't be- I, don't think
1: they, I don't think they believe that that what he has in store yeah. can be can be that extravagant. I mean, I was thinking... The, the thing I would be thinking about, if I was Somerset, going up to that oh. box, is that it's a bomb.
0: I thought that when I first watched it. I thought he's going to get his yeah. head blown off here, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so there, yeah. there is a point where he he's about to open the box and it's a brilliant piece of acting by Morgan Freeman. He, he kind of stands back and goes, Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then he opens it. And you, you think when he opens it, that's it. It's too late. Yeah. The, it's, it's, it's happened. He shouldn't have opened the box. Yes. But, and it's one of those things, he did though, because it's that, it's that Pandora's box thing. Well, yeah, I, know what's I, I've set. got to open it. I've got to open it. I don't have yeah. a choice. So yeah. you said, what you said earlier was, um, that they either, they either, don't want to or they can't make any decision i think they can't i don't think it, i don't think they are able to make any alternative decisions
0: okay but what about when Mills is yelling what's in the box why didn't somerset just lie and say oh you know it's a, it's nothing it's a, it's a dead dog or something that's you know, I suppose, really...
1: yes i suppose he could do that but i, I just I presented with that image i don't know what else you'd do rather no, than just no, go it, bonkers yeah. <laughs>
0: But put, okay, put it put it this way. I know I I tend to write movies that I'd rather watch. But what if yeah. um, what if um, as all this is going down and you know Somerset has realized that Mills is on on track to kill John Doe. What if mm-hmm. Somerset killed him himself? got his has got a gun, which he because you know that Somerset is anti-gun, was anti-gun, anti-violence. Yeah. He's never yeah. fired his gun in anger. And what if he took the decision to morally compromise himself because that would save his younger colleague, the next generation, Mills. From from doing something that he you know he would would ruin his life and I thought that would yeah. be quite a nice way of redeeming Somerset because it would so that, but that means that there's redemption in the that film that redemption well, here's the other thing is I guess I'm picking another problem this 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 last thing it's a shocker it's an absolute shocker it's a shocking end to a very shocking film and just when you think it can't get any more shocking Bruno Palto's head turns up um, yeah. so which is even worse but once that has happened Mills has lost there's nothing that can happen whether he chooses to shoot John Doe or not. Yeah he's Absolutely. lost already I and mean, there's yeah. nothing can be done and i think that robs because i was again watching it again even though you know what's happening like there was no tension in that scene because whatever choice mills made he's yeah. done for he's lost his wife and his, his incipient child because we didn't actually. yeah, um his wife gwyneth paltrow um tracy was pregnant at the time and when she was killed and mills finds out at them that very moment he finds she's dead so he's lost whether he kills him or not and therefore there's no tension what what about this in the air what if um, Tracy wasn't killed what if inside that box is just like a you know a lank of, of blonde hair and some blood and it's implied he's killed and John Doe is saying I've killed her I've killed her which winds Mills so much up he gives in to Roth and then there's tension there's tension is is he lying is he not could Tracy be okay and if Mills doesn't give in to Roth then he's his life's okay They caught the villain he go back to his wife and his child and it's okay or does he give in and shoot John Doe completing the the, the seven murders and ruining his life and that I think is more dramatically tense than Mm. and in fairness quite a tropey thing of getting Gwyneth Paltrow who had like two scenes where she's basically a bit bit fragile and a bit I'm so scared and killing the only female character in this movie just to rile up the male character and that feels like a bit kind of a woman in fridges type thing. like we know this is going to be horrible let's make it even more horrible by killing the victimizing the wife and putting her in a box because that would really shock you and even though that is the most shocking thing that could happen, is that the most dramatically appropriate thing to happen? Well, I know I know I think, the, I know uh, 300 million people uh, disagree think, with me on this. Mm, but I'm, I'm one, one of them. I'm one of them, I think,
1: um, because I, I think uh, that would diminish the impact of the action of mills in shooting John Doe significantly. And I think that that would, if that was the ending, I'd felt, I would have felt a little bit of a cop out um, because I would have thought, well, actually the film up until that point had been describing the world as an inhumane lost place. And yet it doesn't play out. I think that the ending is true to the tone of the film. So there's a couple of things you'd mention on that. First of all, you talk about the fact that Mills was lost yeah he's lost he's already lost yeah so you know why not have it in a particularly different way i i emma and i watched this together and we're both big fans of the film and we both actually said that this is probably the 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 most we've enjoyed watching it in, in years and years probably because we haven't seen it for a while but also because actually lots of things fell into place for us and we both said that what was great about the film that happens so infrequently in hollywood movies is that the bad guy wins and it's and the point is that John Doe wins, not that Mills loses. John Doe wins because Mills shoots him, and he shoots him because of what he's done to Mills' wife, and that is so important to the end of the film. Now, I don't disagree with you about it being a difficult watch and the message of it being difficult, but I do disagree with you with regards to the the way that uh, the way that uh, Tracy's portrayed in the film. I don't think that she is portrayed as. Someone that has a couple of scenes and she's a bit kind of weak, but not, you didn't say weak, but kind of like a bit weeping, basically. Mm-hmm. I think actually she has quite a powerful role in the film as she's the only one in the film that shows some form of compassion. She's the only person in the film that has at her heart the best interests of the people around her, both Mills and Somerset. And I think it's really important that this happens to Mills and not Somerset because it's Mills throughout the film that is proposing that there is some form of humanity left in people worth fighting for. Somerset is the one who's saying, no. Do I believe that there is humanity left? No, that's why I'm retiring. And Mills, in one bar scene, says, you want me to agree with you? Well, I don't. I disagree with you. I disagree with you. I disagree with you. And that's why it's so important that Mills is the one that suffers, because the tone of the film demands it. Anything else is a cop-out.
0: Yeah. No, I see that. That's a good point. <laughs> but again, it's just, just how, I, again, I guess it, when, I, when I watched it, when I was like, I don't know, I was, I was 17 or whatever. I liked it because it was grim. And I think I just yeah. thought, it just, it felt like it was, I don't mind things that are grim, but it felt like, I don't know, it was it was throwing everything at it. And if it if it had, you know, used a scalpel when it could, instead of using a butcher's cleaver, it might've made its point to me a bit better. I felt, because also here's the thing, John Doe wins, but what does he win? I I didn't sense that, um, because here's another thing, in the world that was presented, there didn't seem to be any kind of public panic at his murders. Mm. It hadn't actually sunk in. There'd been, the lawyer being killed was big news because he was a famous lawyer, but I didn't, other than the policeman reacting to it, oh my God, he's in another one. No one seemed to care.
1: And but I, I, I think that's because the focus of the film is very, very closely., it is very tight, yeah. Yeah, it's very closely following Mills and Somerset. I don't think it's concerned too much with moral panic necessarily but it, well, that's
0: what john doe's thing is I'm, I'm shouting at people in the face um you know you yeah. can't just whisper you can't just tap them on the shoulder you gotta hit them in the, in the face or anything and but maybe that's part of the issue then in the sense that there isn't a moral panic
1: or there isn't much of as much of a moral panic as there should be in terms of john doe's thinking you know he says you can't nowadays it's not enough to shout at someone you've got to hit them with a sledgehammer yeah, yeah um and yet even then we don't see the moral panic
0: yeah but again his play's plan if he he gets you know the, what, what would actually cause the big circus that he's clearly planning for is him not dying because you know it's a, a suspect getting killed in custody—that's bad news for the policeman who shot him. But it's it, it ends the case; it's it's cut and closed now. And then you know, other than being but, a criminologic yeah. criminologist's um, thesis, sometime no one's ever going to know about these murders. But that's because, but that's your interpretation
1: of what you want your villain to be, right? You want so and by that I mean if you were the villain in Seven, you would want to bask in the glory of the plan, right?
0: Whereas what's John Doe? No, it's it's the fact that he he thinks that his his execution by a policeman is the is the final chord in his his great tapestry. Mm. But in fact, if if you look at it in the reality of how it's going to work, it probably won't work that way. It's just it doesn't. That's not how sort of crimes are exploded in terms of that case. And. Uh, you know, you think you could get a lot of this because they, they do show the press, you know, going crazy over yeah, the yeah. The, um, the the lawyer being killed. The lawyer, if it was a yeah. case where the whole city starts turning on each other because no one knows who's next because they're afraid they're displaying greed or they're displaying gluttony or they're mm-hmm. displaying envy or, or lust or wrath, whatever, um, that would be one thing. Also, I'm coming to the last two sins now. Mills is not a particularly wrathful character. He loses his temper in the film a couple of times in appropriate moments. He mm-hmm. doesn't give in to wrath. Um, And even at the very end, it's not really Roth he's giving into. to. Roth is, is, you know, true rage. And if these victims are being chosen to represent what they are, it's, Roth seems a bit of a stretch. Seems like that's the last one we had on the list and we need someone to kill John Doe. John Doe equally does not seem like he's he's, he represents envy. I know he said, I went to your your house to kill your wife because I envy it. But that was, again, seems like a stretch. The other ones are kind of, well they're almost in the nose like there's, there's the model who, who represents pride yeah. um where she killed herself rather than called for help because yeah. she'd been disfigured once again she might have killed herself because she'd been so you know tortured and, and driven yeah, crazy yeah. so mad get her face up and when you when you boil down a it none of the people he killed actually actually represent these things it was all about john doe's mad torture spree rather than a, a kind of yeah. a critique yeah. of, of people in society
1: yes in, in which case i think it it perfectly is is befitting someone who would want at the end to be shot in their head because he's clearly he's clearly <laughs> mad isn't he yes, it's yes. It, what's the scene what's the scene um what's the scene in the car when uh, brad pitt says oh what is it when a person is insane as you clearly are it's do no you headset. know that you're insane maybe you're just sitting around reading guns and ammo masturbating in your own feces <laughs>
0: do you just stop and go wow
1: it's amazing how crazy i really am yeah.
0: <laughs> and I will say, in the it doesn't feel like he's in there for half an hour. he's there for ten minutes, but Kevin Spacey yeah. does a very good John Doe. He's, oh yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, he, is, he is brilliant in this. Yeah. And actually, I think a lot, uh, you know, the film is obviously a vehicle for Brad Pitt and, to a lesser extent, Morgan Freeman. Although I think Morgan Freeman is brilliant in this. What I think, is? well, I think without without um, without um, oh god, I've forgotten his name. <laughs> Kevin What's Spacey. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Without Kevin Spacey's performance in this, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be anywhere near it. That, that 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 role is so difficult to play. It's got to be sneering, smug, it's got to be it's just a it's a brilliant performance. And I actually think Kevin Spacey in the 90s, he would have had what? Um the usual suspects. It was this usual this.
0: suspects that basically launched him. It was it, yeah, his, his, yeah. his name wasn't even on the credits at the beginning. No, it wasn't. It um, wasn't. It was interesting.
1: After this, he had the *American Beauty* and then *LA Confidential*. So four films in the nineties, which are yeah. stone cold classics.
0: Yeah, yeah. And well, if you think about it this way, again, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt were relatively new. Morgan Freeman basically had *Driving Miss Daisy* and um, yeah. *Robin Hood* behind him. Brad Pitt he had also, *Glory*
1: as well in, in the eighties. Yeah, but *Glory* He nice. did have a major role
0: in that. Yeah, uh, Brad Pitt. I mean, he just had *Interview with the Vampire*, *Legends of the Fall* to really yes. launch him. But both yeah. of these are fairly new. And when yeah. I said again, this this is how, again, I, I was surprised by how it didn't move me as much as it had previously maybe it's because i've now seen morgan freeman play this somerset role quite a lot of times he's yeah. he's he's, he's so played yeah. the world weary wise okay. kind yeah. figure a lot and this was new this was like the first time he he, he nailed it what and maybe that redemption before this uh possible this is like five Shorshank they're contemporaneous, aren't they? Yeah, but again, if you look at it this way, Shorshank was a VHS success. So yeah, it was it's it's did bad because no one saw yeah. it. Um so this was this was kind of where he became established as essentially the Morgan Freeman character. Um yeah. and Brad Pitt again to a lesser extent again hit the scene in, in a big way um as i guess more like a dramatic actor because again he did say legends of the four was a very almost you know um catalogue film but he just has, uh, has long flowing hair and, and soft light and looks wonderful
1: yeah um, and i think this, this film although, although i think morgan freeman is the is is better in this than brad pitt i think i think brad pitt does show that he's got acting
0: chops yeah oh yeah but i'll tell you this is another thing about uh, mills and somerset it's it's i don't know it didn't feel like an equal partnership because some mills doesn't seem that clever he doesn't actually do anything proactively to help the, the, the case along other yeah, than his good, energy and his yeah, belief
1: yeah there's a good but, scene
0: well he has his physicality so there's a
1: scene you know when when um he's when john doe john is doe. He even catch yeah, he's, yeah he's beating up in the end actually it, it, it comes back to haunting him as well because he said you know we would have caught you in the end and he said oh really really um you know i i don't you know i i recall handing myself in to, to the police you know um yeah, and then he says, you know, you're only alive because I, I spared you.
0: Yeah, which again <laughs> comes down to the fact that this is very good that John Doe has all these things fall into place. The one <laughs> yeah. copy he was setting up happens to be the guy that chases yeah. him, who he could yeah. spare with Riley and Feather. But I'm just, this is, you, you can't apply logic to the film. This is how the the, the 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 thread goes, is that Mills is getting more and more angry at Doe. So that that is how he essentially gets to him, because Somerset is not rising to John Doe, no matter what he says. Um, but here's the other thing, is that Somerset... He's given up. That's this big thing. He has given up on essentially humanity and his career as a police detective. But mm-hmm. he's he's he doesn't he doesn't act like a man who's given up. He's still quite into it, isn't he? He's he's doing the thing. He he's that's not, he's not letting yeah. He's not letting go of the, the 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 plot, even when he's taken off the case. He keeps can't, clues can't, can't, and can't and do, and do it. it. Yeah. So he's.
1: Uh, and, you know, it's, it's described throughout the film. Where he says, he says particularly to his uh his 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 boss. You know, this can't be my last case. Yeah, you know, I can't be. It will just be open for ages. It will be open forever. Yeah. You can say that he's he wants to let go, but he can't.
0: Yeah, but it's interesting. A lot of the scenes, like when they're finding the fingerprints behind the wall, Brad Pitt is the one who's moaning. He's the one saying, this is this is a wild goose. Yeah, I hate this. It's yeah. boring. He's just messing with us. And it's Morgan Freeman who's doing all this stuff. I think if that had been reversed, if Morgan Freeman had just been the, the kind of the indolent detective who has a lot of experience and, and knowledge, but just can't be bothered. And it's Brad Pitt, who's like the the bloodhound chasing down every last clue. That might have been more interesting. Again, I'm rewriting the plug-in now. Well, maybe maybe I should have seen it so often. more of a difference between the see. two, yeah. yeah. Just, just if if Brad Pitt had more than just optimism and Morgan Freeman is everything else that he needs to solve this case.
1: Yeah. It, 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 there's a, a particularly good scene summed up a little bit where um, – morgan freeman goes to the library to, to do research on Canterbury tales kind of and, and dante's inferno and um you know he, he, he basically leaves a, a note on mills's desk saying you might want he's been taken off the case but he leaves a he leaves a note on mills desk saying you might want to look at these and then mills gets them out and he's reading them and it's like oh god i can't do this so the next thing he's, he, he's got another police officer to get him like the kind of Except um notes. yeah to give those like a level summaries of uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is fair face.
1: enough it is yeah and then when he gets back to his office he hides it in his desk so that Somerset can't see thought that was a nice they, thing. I
0: I like, back to the comedy there was a lot of, of com- a surprising amount of comedy I think the only place it doesn't really work is when the final scene when John Doe is, is, is yes. taken to the I didn't do that the, yeah, they, yeah <laughs> found a, the, the, the final point they think what's going to happen and they find a dead dog so there's a dead dog there's a dead dog and John Doe just goes I didn't do it
1: um, yeah that wasn't but, me
0: yeah, but there's like there's a subtle there's subtle points when at one point when them, they just had dinner together and they're pouring over the crime scene photos and like say do you want a beer on something because I'll have a wine and Brad Pitt it's because he's so uncultured gets an entire tumbler <laughs> and fills it full of wine and sets it down and they they just carry on and then about two minutes later when Morgan Freeman is so engrossed in the photos, he takes his first drink. He just does a quick double take. He's like, what the? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's nothing more really said of it, but it's so good yeah. that, that Somerset it's is so, so, so cultured. Do you think, why have I give me wine like this? Uh, there, there a lot, yeah. it. yeah,
1: it's good. Much more, much more humor than I remember actually um, yeah. in it. And I wonder whether that is something about getting older and watching it because, um, when, when I was when I would have first seen this and, and younger, I probably wasn't interested in any of that. I was interested in the grisly murders. But as you get older, you, you kind of look for different things. So I was more interested in the relationship between the two this time. Yeah. Um,
0: also, you, you've seen the murders. Now. You're right. You're right. I think yeah, this, you're this, right. This, yeah. this is a film, I think, where the first hit is very important.
1: Oh, very much so. Very and much And I so. think
0: that I think that so maybe a lot of my kind of um, jadedness with it is because I'm so familiar with it. I, I was looking for something else around it, because you're you're right. It is that finding that finding the, finding what's happening next and knowing what he's going to do and not knowing because you know when it drives up, I instantly know that's the bit where he gets the head in the box. When I watched it the yeah. first time, I was convinced Somerset was going to die. And and you're you're and even you're when he looked inside, I thought, is it here. is it a slow bomb? Why is, it, is he going to die? Uh, yeah. So yeah, um, so there, there's all that happening on there. Um, I, just did wish, I did. I
1: uh, It's really going. I did wish w- when it finished. Emma and I, we had we had a kind of a little conversation afterwards about the film and etc. And we both said to us. We both said that actually almost at the same time. I wish I was uh, 18, 19 again, and that was the first time I'd seen it because mm-hmm. will you remember how incredible that ending is, and you know, I I, I don't agree. I don't agree with your. Um, I, d- I don't agree with your alternative. Synopsis of it. That's you know, I'll go. I'll go with yeah. the the, the, the box office. I think it stands up, but just just that experience of never having seen it before and watching it for the first time is exhilarating. I would. I would. I'll never get that again.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: I would love to watch that again. Just, just yeah. You know, a virgin, a seven virgin would be brilliant.
0: <laughs> and Here's the interesting thing: is that this is. I mean. The, the the in fact in many ways the seven deadly sins bit is the novelty it's what gets you in the seat it could My just God. be ki- killer killer is doing strange killings and they yeah. get him at the end it's get, well basically yeah the, the 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 theme the thing is not a killer was doing the seven deadly sins themed murders it's not like agatha christie where it's the abc murders and each one is is, is a plot whatever well, it's
1: interesting it, that you say that because i've written down this is effectively like an agatha christie film yeah. except the, that it's hyper violent and really
0: grim <laughs> 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 but i guess yeah uh, well, she, agatha christie does it certain ways too and they were always unimportant you don't you know yeah. um yeah. The, the, it's he could just just killed five people in weird and and because the whole point is the world is horrible and life is awful yeah. and he could have just killed five people in that way and then it goes to the final and he's killed his wife and then that happens The so but what gets the bums on seats what gets you a year 300 million is have you heard about this film it's the seven deadly oh, sins murders yeah. it's, it's really like cool. sixth sense, isn't it? when that yeah. did that and you know what's yeah what's the twist in the sixth sense yeah and I think again, as if I, when I was again watching it at seventeen, that would have been my hook. It's like, oh, he's going to kill people in seven deadly ways. That's so cool. I'll watch that. Now that's less important. It is about yeah, you know, what what's 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 Mills and Somerset about? What's happening? Maybe I'm rewriting because I I couldn't bear to see again Gwyneth Paltrow die Um because it just. Uh, it hang just on a minute. Have you seen her Oscar acceptance speech? <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> How privileged were we in the '90s that someone getting a bit weepy is a reason yeah. to get cancelled? Uh, who wouldn't? What, who wouldn't? Uh, what celebrity wouldn't kill for that to be a cancellation reason? Now it's, it's interesting, isn't it? In many ways, right?
1: In many ways, the '90s, although we probably moved on with regards to kind of race relationships yeah. and, and and gender politics, yeah. in many ways, the '90s was a much more open and liberal place than it is now. Weird, well, isn't
0: it? Here's what I'm thinking about. There's the, a lot of these films like 7 was not maybe may have started the trend but the, a lot of these films in the 90s were very nihilistic and very. um again we were well, strange days was the 90s wasn't it um, yeah, yeah, and and it's like was it because in the 90s we'd solved all the problems like the cold war was over <laughs> yeah. the there was an the economic boom um you know America was winning all the golds in the olympics and there until 911 everything was pretty hunky dunky and therefore you had to create much more yeah. horrible
1: things you, in you, movies yeah you're right you pr-
0: probably probably the
1: 90s was the as good the as point gets. the point before everything started to fall apart right yeah yeah you know the t- 2000s you got 2011 and, and then you know we're just in some kind of right-wing apocalypse at the moment uh, now maybe we always were i don't know maybe we always were it's just that when i was in the 90s i was
0: the feeling was okay well there's we're not gonna get wiped out by nuclear war anymore um People don't yeah, seem to be going yeah, to war we, anymore. Yeah, That's quite yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and yeah, well, look, we've got these things called CDs, and you can carry, the, you can listen to the, the ten songs at your choice. Yeah. Um, well, but, probably yeah. in the same way. Probably in the same way that in, in the nineties you had a lot of grim films
1: like this, and in in the same that in the two thousand and tens and thus far the two thousand and twenties, you have a lot of superhero films, which yeah. are there to kind of rescue us from a, a, an alternate kind of individual or group of individuals that are threatening who we are.
0: Yeah, I it's say, interesting that popular as the as the sort the DC ones up and Zack Snyder kept was released uh, today or yesterday. Um it's it's the more optimistic superior yeah, films that have done the models. better box office yeah, rather yeah. than the dark ones that sit I mean. yeah, exactly. like yeah,
1: so we need, we need that optimism now. Whereas in the nineties, everything was fine and happy and and we just we yeah. what we wanted was grim films.
0: Yeah. Like so so. When, I say, when I say I didn't want to what Grim of Baldwin to die, was more of a character is that and this this is probably the prejudice of having seen it before. Having seen her, and she seems so beaten down already, and, and so she's just, she's trying her best, but she's 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 not pessimistic, but she feels battered down. The thought of just again her character being victimized that yeah. way, turned into a victim, seems a much But I, again, I take it the whole point of this film is it is too much. Everything is too much. Everything is too much. It doesn't take yeah, it not it, take its foot off your your head uh, for a moment. But um, well, it slaps you in the face as well because. If there was any justice in the world, it would be
1: Somerset that has all of this stuff happen to him. Because he's the one that doesn't that has lost faith in humanity. Not not Mills. Yeah. You know, Tr- Tracy and David Mills are the optimists. They are the ones who have that hold. And yet they're the ones that the shit happens to. <laughs> so you know, it's almost it's slapping you in the face. It's saying to you, there's no redemption in this film whatsoever. The bad yeah. guy wins. The people who you root for are going to suffer.
0: Yeah. And in fact, the only the only ones remaining, again, as well as Somerset is his police captain, who was played quite quite well by um, yeah, um early Ilo early. Emery. Um who which <laughs> he has one great line actually um when he's uh, when he's just sitting at a desk in a photo he just picks up this ain't any mad desk and hangs up, which is a great, <laughs> great comment. But other than that, he's actually quite a, a supportive, um, yeah. you know, compassionate police captain, which again is not you know, expect a role to play from him. Um no, but absolutely. they're here, yeah, they're both two grizzled veterans are all that's left in terms of fighting for the world. Um, yeah and i loved it i love yeah. i love it
1: for its nihilism i love it you don't you know it, seven would not be made now but so, you know it, it would it
0: would have had its ending chopped and changed yeah, probably change it to the ending i suggested because you know that, they're, they're just it's like a that. sentimental sap like that. <laughs> yeah. i, 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 I yeah. couldn't well, follow through I, the I, I get, yeah, as you say the world's a different
1: through. place right the world yeah. it doesn't the world doesn't need this kind of film now the world needs different types of films in the <laughs> like, 90s this was, someone, perfect, yeah, someone,
0: it was someone ridiculous like um Michael Bay, I think he may have either made it or, or produced it. But they tried to make a Corona 2000, 2023 movie last year. Um, that really? was just you know an even worse taste of the virus and everyone's locked in and therefore preying yes. on each other. Who so wants that? Exactly. Who wants to see that? God, no. <laughs> and I think it it, it, it bombed and it rightly apart from looking awful, yes. rightly bombed because you don't need
1: that now. Of course you don't. I mean, no, there's something... I mean, I know that you, there's a... I think Gwyneth Paltrow is an interesting one in this film because she does have a minor role in it. And she, she was on... This was kind of the start of her Yeah, kind of a yeah. cusp of, of success. And, you know, she she had a a, a big high. And, you know, she she's not, doesn't really do much in terms of films now. She's obviously a very successful businesswoman, but she doesn't do a lot of films now. She does the occasional Marvel film, I guess. Yeah. Um, but... She has a minor role in this, but I think she has a very important role to play. And I've, I've alluded to it in terms of the person that that knits the characters together, that contains that wholesomeness, that... I mean, she's a teacher, for example, right? She teaches yeah. young children, right? So she, she's 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 everything good that you expect. And I think, and again, it, 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 I, that's deliberate and purposeful, you know? She's worried about bringing a new life into, into the world because she thinks, is this what it is? she's she's it's deliberate and you know you think god you bastard andrew michael walker and david fincher for doing that but that's the film you have to do it and it's because she's all of those things that it
0: carries the impact at the end if she wasn't the impact wouldn't be there wouldn't it though? what if she was a more real real rounded person because she's she of all the characters, interesting even even the the crazed killer is more of a cipher than than the character of tracy mills she is the least rounded character in that i know you talk about she's a teacher agree she... i disagree i, don't, yeah. I think she yeah i don't think she's not i think she's ra- i think she's a i think she's a she plays an, a
1: small but integral part of the film and her compassion and humanity shows through in both the conversations that she has and the warmth that she has with somerset yeah the instigation of the friendship And the bringing of Mills and and, and Somerset together and the conversation she has with Somerset in the cafe about her unborn child. Now, don't get me wrong. They are there for a reason. They are manipulative. But I think that she is rounded in that context. She's rounded because the plot needs her to be. Yeah, so I'm not disputing that it's not a cynical choice. Yeah, but the yeah. plot and Fincher and the, uh, and Andrew Michael Walker need her to be that shining light, even though she, you know, she's she's vulnerable, she's worried, but she gets a head chopped off at the end. She, she needs to. She needs to <laughs> that needs to happen to her.
0: Yeah,
1: as horrible as it is, as horrible as it sounds, um I don't think and again, there are many different ways to cut Seven, right? In all of the other ways, it wouldn't be Seven. It would be a different film. It might still be successful. It might have been more successful. I don't know, but it just isn't Seven. It wouldn't be Seven. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that there's something about this film, which you're quite is right. of its yeah. point, and it just needs to be what it is, and it's difficult to kind of see. I, I find it hard. You're very good at describing alternate kind of realities in films.
0: I can't see another way that this film would work for me, no, and having just described that, I'm thinking about, again, if this were... I called it a horror movie, and if, you know, if um, if Morgan yeah. Freeman is, is a very unlikely final girl, it, it, it would end still on triumph of him having beaten it, because the, the villain is dead, and even though everyone else is dead, he has survived. And, I mean, that, that's how it happened, isn't it? The villain's dead, all, everyone else is dead, but he's alive. That's the final girl, and that's normally seen as a triumph. But it's not. It's, um, it's, it's a complete defeat. And... So to end to end a movie on a complete defeat, that is not you know having the villain cheering and then riding off in the sunset, no. is 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 a hard was a hard thread to pull. Um, it's a hard sell as well, I
1: think. Yeah, I think it's a hard sell. Uh, but then I suppose if 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 you're if you're a horror aficionado or you're you're deep into horror, you kind of go that you, you'd go
0: to a film for that
1: nihilism. That's kind of yeah. what you want, isn't it, right? Um, but, I'm just yeah, but, surprised yeah. it was as
0: successful as it was. Yeah, but we, we, yeah, we talked about the, the mood of the time people were in the mood for that. Um, yeah. Although, <laughs> hilariously, like a year later, the Shawshank Redemption finally got, you know, picked up on VHS, yeah. which true. is like nothing but right? a tale of hope. Oh, um, exactly, it
1: really <laughs> is, yeah, you're right. Well, um, look, we're you probably- know, what we're doing is that we are, we are bottling... A whole decade into seven. Now, you know, there are there are many films in the nineties that do hope as as well as nihilism. Right, it's just that I don't think you get the extremes that you do nowadays that you did in the nineties and probably the seventies as well was another era where there was a lot of extremes too. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. But um yeah, I, can, I was going to come to the point you mentioned that the thing as being quite you know it's obviously overpowering and oppressive. The music I did find was very oppressive and. I'm, possibly be on the nose because it was pound 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 and like um the the, the scenes when the SWAT cars are driving off to um what they think they're going to raid John Doe's house it was very like squeal 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 so it yeah, was like yeah, it yeah. was it was like this is exciting I guess it was, I was this this is exciting <laughs> it, was, it was really <laughs> exciting because actually they don't need SWAT cars all they need to do was have Mills and, and Somerset knock on the door and and find all this they don't need um John C. Yeah. McKinley kicking the door with a shotgun but again it's it was that like, whole it's almost like a prototype uh
1: hand zimmer isn't it
0: yes yes i was thinking that yeah because this may have been composed not electronically so it was um it was actually one of the it was done live but it was it was very harsh but something else i want i want your take on this because i don't have an answer for it is that again most of the movie 75 percent of it is shot very close very intimate a street level you never even look up you never see a horizon or the no, s- sky yeah, right, and it's yeah, raining really, all yeah. the time and that <laughs> that aids fantastically to making the <clears> things <throat> thing seem awful um and then in the final half hour they drive out into the middle of it. The, they leave the city where they've been, which is like the embodiment of all that is wrong. They go out into the field, and, and that's when the final act takes place. In the field, you see sunset. You see the skies. You see everything. Um, now, my guess is it's just to throw you completely off balance because this is the part of the film when you are the most scared and the most on yeah. off balance because you know something even worse is coming and yeah. yet you're presented with images that are actually quite calming which and so you don't know what to do with yourself and maybe right. if they'd, if they'd just taken them to say um an abandoned warehouse and it was the same situation as everything else it would have it would have i don't know it would have felt normal like he, of course there's something horrible happening in an abandoned warehouse It's an abandoned warehouse yeah. but so in I the middle of just, a nice field yeah
1: yeah it's a good point i think there's a couple of things i'm thinking just off the top of my head here. i think there's a couple yeah. of points on that the first one is they need to have that final scene somewhere out of the city to enable the conversation between Mills Somerset and Doe to take place because if it was in the city i think there wouldn't be the privacy that would enable the explanation of John Doe's oeuvre his his magnus it's, opus it's right so i think so so the yeah so it needs to be out of the city so if the drive needs to be long it needs to go out into the desert in that regard also i think having it out in the desert you see the expanse and as you say because there is that expanse there's nowhere to hide there's no, there, there's going to be a surprise but the, you're focused entirely on the three of them in the box Yeah. Right. Rather than if it was in the streets or an apartment, there'd be other things to take your mind away. Now, I'm throwing this out there because I have no idea whether this is the case or not. But you're right. The end is bright. It's calming. The sunset is beautiful. There's a shimmer and haze. And I wonder whether that represents in the context of the seven deadly sins. It represents the end. It represents. The taking of the individual to the other world, the other place, as it were, you know, the religious iconography or the descriptions of the dread mythology in this are that the world is hell and that at the end of it, he, John Doe, is being taken out of the world into a place that is serene and calm and beautiful and light and airy as opposed to the oppressiveness of the world. I don't know, maybe I'm stretching that too far, but there could be that, because it's that juxtaposition, isn't it, of the grimness of the city and the beauty, I mean, not, not withstanding the electricity pylons, but the the beautiful expanse of the wilderness as being something as otherworldly.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I've made that up,
1: but who knows? <laughs>
0: that, was, that was good thinking could on your be. feet there. Could be, because it it did seem like, obviously, the, the first... Um, yeah, The first half of the film, or the first uh, two thirds, is all that impressive city. And I remember again watching it in VM um, for the very first time. And I must have been, uh, it was before I left home to college because I remember seeing it in the local cinema. And the local cinema had ramped up the music. So literally, I do remember this as the cars were like leaving the parking. They were like they leave the underground parking lot to go on their yeah. police raid, and yeah, they have that whole thing where they're going up the ramp and then the bumpers are squealing and bouncing and they're going up. The volume was cranked up so much you were literally shuddering as this came oh, out. Oh wow, really? And it was really powerful. Just all this, everything was just everything was just so much. <laughs> Even just like getting from A to B was a lot, and then you get to where you're supposed to be, and you have things like again finding the sloth victim was a nightmare, apart from all the makeup to see this victim. Yeah, 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 of yeah. sloth is horrible. You have all the stuff beforehand when the, when the the SWAT team are kicking the doors down yeah. and, goes, and you don't know if there's an axe you don't know what, to expect. Don't know what yeah. to expect
1: do you and then when i mean that's an iconic scene in the film isn't it because you think he's dead and then he wakes up and you think oh, oh yes that's such a oh. i mean talk about a, a jump scare yeah. oh my days <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is the thing is when you've seen it as often as, as we've seen it right yeah obviously you're not scared by what happens. You're not, it doesn't make you jump anymore, but there is some kind of residual anticipation though, isn't there? There's some kind of, there's some bone memory of the first time that you jumped at that, that you know, what's going to happen. And it's, it's, it still packs a punch. I think. Yeah.
0: And that that was a fantastic a company they had an actor you know, that skinny with all that prosthetics. That was a real feat. Mm-hmm. And they even have Polaroids yeah. of how he deteriorated. It's, just, yeah, it's good. Careful. There's a lot of effort put into how horrible these things are. And I'll tell you the <laughs> other thing yeah. that is incredibly powerful that again just drove right through me, um, watching on this watch was um God, who's the who's the actor? The actor who got done with lust. Um Oh, yes, yes. yes. Leland, he's, Orser. He's, Leland Orser. Leland Orser. He's yeah, he's quite terrific. famous, isn't he? he? Yeah, he's quite famous as being twitchy, jumpy men. He was perfect yeah. in this. He was the man who was forced to wear the bladed strap on that killed the prostitute. Um, oh, and, yeah. and, and this is the thing. you see. a bit of acting as well. Yeah. You you see almost, apparently he hyperventilated himself so he would seem more crazy and didn't sleep for oh, three really? days. He, he looked absolutely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so good for him. But... Um, yeah, you with with for obvious reasons you see almost nothing of the lust of yeah. lust killing. You, it's all implied. It's all. It's certificate. I think that would make it R rated. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the basically the entire horror of this is in his performance. There's nothing yeah, really else they can get across yeah. and my god he is absolutely just screaming because uh, you, you, can, you can kind of tell his mind has been broken by this he's, the, they, yeah, he's, he's, he's got this. It, like they got a, a blanket random and he's you know, he's telling it. And i know th- there is another victim who is dead dead but it's like this person is is like um you know when you see uh the, the the batman movies and the joker's been messing people's minds and he's turned them into into, into like crazy people themselves yeah. or in, in, yeah. saw whatever. Yeah. this this person and it's just in a, a minute and a half of monologue where he's talking about what he did and that is worth the entire gluttony room where they've spent months making it full of spaghetti sauce and cockroaches and a prosthetic grill grill fat man it's like all he needed was that and oh my god it's just like that's horrible
1: it's a brilliant piece of acting actually and it really cut i mean yeah it really gets down to what what is really grim and that particular murder is, as you say, you, you obviously don't see anything because that would be just too much. But it, it's one that for some reason is so visceral in your head, even though you've not seen it. And it's yeah, in part, yeah. large part down to his performance.
0: Yeah, because Come. no other place, every other murder is described calmly by a pathologist or by Mills yes. or by Somerset. Well, you see it, don't you? You see it. Yeah, with well, the last it, two, you see it. See you, see, it. You, see the, you see the aftermath
1: of all of the other yes. crimes. You don't see the aftermath of this one.
0: Yeah, which obviously makes it far worse in your head.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I wanted to add something just very briefly about the opening sequence of the film as well. So, it's got it's got a really evocative opening sequence of what we think is John Doe's diary being created, and he's writing. You know, it's the cre- creation of the diary, and he's sewing the diary together. Do you know what I mean at the very start do, of the yeah, film? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the uh, the designer John Sable spent. Something like $25,000 on buying loads of old, kind of arcane journals, ripping the pages out of them, sewing them back together, and then singeing the edges. And he filled them with pictures of real corpses and his own writing. So all of that was his own writing on his views on politics and religion and all that kind of stuff as
0: well so i mean did, did you, he like, not go mad because that, that's the know, serial
1: killer. Those, those pictures are real real cadavers in yeah. in the opening i know it's absolutely incredible and the um the 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 interstitial kind of um uh sequences where they have the kind of monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and the opening credits and the end credits none of that is digital that was etched onto a blackboard yeah. and then superimposed onto the film so just the detail of of that stuff is incredible.
0: Yeah, actually, my understanding, and I read this, although I don't understand it, is that um, they the Fincher used a special type of development with the film where he left a lot of the silver in the, the... It's called it's called bleach bypass. There we go. Um, I knew you knew more about it, but it makes yeah. the thing very dark. dark.
1: Yeah. yeah, but but it makes it it makes it darker, but it also improves the quality and crispness of the film.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's dark, so, but it, but there's never a point when it's not obscured. Even no. though again, I couldn't actually tell that John C. McGinley was in this uh, until this last time I watched it. You yeah. know that what the SWAT team leader was doing. You know when they're all going through things. You can you can tell what's going on. And you're never like because some films are just so dark you you're lost. You've no idea.
1: Yeah, so we, we we saw one didn't we recently that the film was it was it was intended to be filmed dark and it just lost it a bit. What was that? Um. Was that? Was that strange. Day? It wasn't strange days, was it? Yeah, was I'm a, sure that there was one that we saw. It might have been the great silence, actually. Where it was yes, yes, you lost too much in the darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that was obviously a, a, a deliberate decision, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't good enough. Do, do you know what I mean? To, to carry it off.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, look. I think we have thoroughly dissected seven.
0: <laughs> it's been on. The, it's been on the table. It's been on the slab. uh exactly. means- We've weighed it's,
1: its organs. Yeah
0: now as as traditional um we would give scores but i think again this is does this does weekend at crombies 2 the legend of crombies gold feel like a scoring kind of thing because they're all going to be high and good because that's the point of their picking i wonder if we just we take a break and then we just give a final thoughts on it before moving on to what we'll be watching in the next quarter
1: well um this is what we call unprepared podcast recording (laughs) So, I mean, I don't think we do necessarily have to give scores. However, um, I mean, for me, I'm going to give a score anyway, right? Because uh, (laughs) I think think it's impossible not to give a score. So uh, let's do the scores, right? Let's do the scores. okay?
0: Okay i've been overruled so you see how this power balance works <laughs> you've just witnessed a live uh a live brainstorm meeting there. <laughs> join us after the break where um where maybe both of us will be back we don't know but we'll give the scores on week on uh, on seven
1: Welcome, dear listener, to the final part of Weekend at Crombus 2, The Legend of Crombus God. I hope you've enjoyed our musings on Seven. I've certainly enjoyed it myself. And nice to reminisce over a, uh, a film that we have um, both uh, you know, enjoyed uh, much over the years. Um, we've decided live that we're going to give the scores. So um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'll let go first. Um uh, so it sounded like that's your name hugh go first Um, (laughs) you go first i like that you will go first uh what's your scores on the doors for
0: well i've been i've been tough on this film um again if i if you asked me when i was 17 and i watched it it would have been been illegal well you know i broke the law then because i did (laughs) i don't know if if there's a statute of limitations on watching a movie uh, Mm -hmm. underage um i would have given it a, a easy five and in the years throughout all times of watching it five and i think even though i've you know i've nitpicked it and i and a lot again a lot of the the shock and awe has obviously gone from it for me i think it's it's you can't not give it five it's because it's because it is so well done and because it's like no other film it's 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 again it's, it's a must watch um i i I don't know if I look forward to the time I can watch this with my kids when they're old enough or give me some nightmares. But it's the kind of film I think you want to watch with someone who's not seen it before because you want, it, you want yeah. to experience it through their eyes. And, yeah. and when that happens, that first watch, I mean, it's, it's a, to me it's a first watch film. It's, it's good, it's quality, it's a classic so it'll always hold up. But that first watch is like the first watch of no other film. Um, yeah. So it's a five for me.
1: Interesting point. I've never seen this film with someone who has never seen the film. Other than me, the first time I watched it. So I, 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 I <laughs> You I watched, watched it my...
0: with yourself the first time.
1: <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I watched it by myself, so I've never, I've never seen someone watch this. For the first time that would be some experience I think or just on the basis that because you know what's going to happen I'd be I'd be in absolute heaven just gleefully waiting for the <laughs> it's highly fantastic anyway although she seems nice isn't it Gwyneth Paltrow she's nice isn't yeah. she yeah I hope <laughs> she doesn't lose her head you know she wants to say the same isn't she oh I, I, I'd inevitably be disappointed though because the person I'm watching it with for the first time wouldn't like it or something like that this it's is probably my son, <laughs> son that would be the end of our relationship um, so yeah so I mean you're like, I, I it's maybe it is a bit pointless rating this because it's obviously a five star film from me. I love this film. I would say strong. that it, yeah, we did start strong. Yeah, um, well, we could you know we could have chosen Fight Club. We could have chosen the game. Or I, I would have given Fight Club five stars as well. I'd add. Um,
0: but, uh, but this this is this is about this is not about you know almost the ratings of films. It's about looking at a director's work, and yeah, this is yeah. a great moment to begin looking at David Fincher's work.
1: Oh, it really is. It really, it really, really is. I mean, I, I would, I would say that. Um, seven is up there with the silence of the lambs and the shining as some of my very very most favorite horror films um, of all time you know it is it is an absolute horror horror aficionado's dream i think um it's a brilliant film and packs such a punch that you know even though you've seen it and you know you know what happens in it it's still worth watching it's just this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's something to watch with people. You know, it's a, it's a good film to watch with people, right? <laughs> yeah, we'd have to love watching this. Yeah, it's a talking point, though. It's a, it's a talking film. It's a brilliant film. Five disembodied crummy heads, no doubt at all. If I could give it seven, I would. But there Ooh. we go. Why should have good. given
0: it two, then? Yeah, that would have been, that would have been an <laughs> ironic, if, if not somewhat unfair score. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Very good.
0: Right, well, there we are. We've, uh, um, we've closed we've finished off the seven we've ascended into purgatory and uh, and we stand now um looking to across done. to the next quarter so obviously normal service will resume next month with our, our regular weekend at crombies fair but uh for the just next before, quarter,
1: just before you go on here, now go. this
0: is this is this is um this is brainstorming live
1: as we go on as well so <laughs> the next quarter will be the two thousands okay yeah. it'll be the two thousands do we reveal what the film is Or do we list the four films that were made in the 2000s and have
0: it as a surprise for our listeners? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I have three points to make here. The first one is we don't have any listeners. the (laughs) the, the, The second point is I think that's a very good idea. And the third point is, you shot down my idea about not giving scores, so I'm going to veto this one too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. Then. No, no, so no it's go, go, to- go. No, you, you read, read all four. Let, let the listeners be tantalised and let them be disappointed if they really wanted to hear one film, not one <laughs> another. But go for it. Let's, let's, let's tangle right. the possibilities. Okay, so uh, let me just get
1: David Fincher's
0: filmography. Rule number one: we could have.
1: <laughs> yeah, So the first film that David Fincher made. In the nine, in the two thousands. Come on, James, get it right. The was in the noughties. Yeah, very good. Was Panic Room. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so we could be watching Panic Room in uh, the next episode of this particular podcast. So I'm stalling because I'm trying to get you his, uh, to his... <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, looks <laughs> right, like, right, it's right, like right, it's the darts. So. so here we go. Here we go. So it, it could be Panic Room. Okay, it could be Zodiac. Or, there are actually only three films in the 2000s, it could be The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Which of those three films will we be discussing in the next edition of Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold? You'll have to join us to find out.
0: Until then, we shall see you at another point. Whether in, uh, whether in our founding podcast, Weekend at Crombies, or in this one, Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold. Um, <laughs> but really done. And, and, until you've know, got, got to get the brand names in there. That's how you get the punters in. <laughs> until then, I wish you a very happy and a very healthy Weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all. Weekend at
1: Crombies. And uh, you, I tell you, Hugh, you're... you're... Jan Michael Vincent helicopter headphones, they are honestly the quality of your voice. Clear as like, a bell It's like It's like you're breathing into my face.